Good morning. I'm very glad to be with you once again. I'm very thankful to be here. Just so uh, humbled by everything I've, I've heard. And, uh, I think the only thing I have in mind, in mind right now is that wonderful song we just sang. Look to the land of God. That's my prayer behind this pulpit, that as we look at his word, that we would all by his undeserved grace look to the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In Romans chapter 5, you'll find the portion we'll be looking at this morning is found in Romans chapter 5 verse 10 we read there for if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son much more being reconciled we shall have we, we shall be saved by his life now before I look at my notes and go through this Blessed verse. I don't always share this behind the pulpit, but that's my only hope that at the end of this message, the Lord will teach you the gospel contained in that verse. We shall be saved, beloved. We shall be saved by his life. You will not know what your sin is until you understand that your sin is is not merely a transgression of the law. And be sure of it, it most certainly is. It is a transgression of God's holy law. But sinner is much more. Your sin is the willful rebellion against him who gave you everything. Your sin is the willful actions of an enemy, God's enemy. Sinner, have you lost your mind? How long will you go to war against God? A faithful minister of the gospel once said, Forgiven sin is hated sin. That's right. How can your sins, the sins for which reason our Heavenly Father, according to his determinate counsel and foreknowledge, struck down his beloved son, how can you continue in your sin? As if you needed any other evidence, and most irrefutable it is, that you are totally bankrupt of anything whatsoever to commend you to God. My prayer to God is that by the time we conclude our time together this morning, that the Lord will give you a spiritual and experimental understanding of the perpetual joy and comfort it is for God's people to know him. Knowing the reconciliation we have been given by the blood of Christ. And beloved, as we read in our portion and we heard Ray emphasize it several times, I trust it is your delight to read and know that it is much more, much more beloved than a reconciliation for sin. Further, every blood-bought sinner is saved by the very life of Christ. That woman, that man or woman who is now trusting on Christ for all their salvation, you beloved, you who believe on Christ, you have received of the Lord's hand double for all your sins. Double. Pardon and perfection. Double. 
redemption and righteousness, a perfect righteousness, our Lord and Savior's righteousness, beloved. Not only have we received a full and complete pardon for all our sin by the death of our Lord, but much more, much more, we have also received a perfect and complete righteousness through the life of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are saved. Our text says it. And if you forget everything I say, that's fine with me. But I pray the Lord would teach you this one thing, beloved. It says here in our portion, we shall be saved by his life and God's people by his undeserved grace. Rest in that and believe that. Our God said it in word and in demonstration of his power. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Sinner, believing sinner, he's not well pleased in you. He's well pleased in his son. Look away from yourself and look to, as we sang, behold the Lamb of God. I think the stanza was a little bit different, but I much prefer the word of God to a stanza. (laughs) Behold the Lamb of God, beloved. He is not only our reconciliation for sins, but his life is our righteousness before God. Our God said, this is our beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. He said this, not speaking of his divinity, but of his life as a perfect man, the son of God. Flesh of our flesh and bone of our bone. Are you an enemy of God? An enemy in your mind by wicked works? Be ye reconciled. As God's ambassador for Christ, I beseech you. I pray you be found among those for whom Christ died. I beg you. Be ye reconciled to Christ for Christ's sake. May the Lord compel you by his conquering love to bend the knee and kiss the sun, lest you perish in your own way when his wrath is kindled but a little. May you truly be among those who are indeed blessed, those who by God's undeserved grace put their trust in Christ. Blessed is the man who puts their trust in, their trust in the Son of God. As I've already stated, I've taken the title of my message from our text in Romans 5.10. He will save us. If you just remember that, you'll be blessed. We receive and believe through the blessed revelation from above that he will save us. It is to be taught from above. It is to be born again by his spirit. We don't figure this out. It is divinely revealed to his people. We believe Christ. We know that he will save us. That through the Lord Jesus Christ, God hath saved us. I pray that where I find here in this portion, the blessed gospel of my text, that the Lord will make it a blessing for you as well. To know that we shall be saved. I'll read the text again. It's in Romans chapter 5 verse 10. It declares, for if when you reconciled Sorry, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. The three things I desire to bring to the consideration of God's people gathered here this morning are, first, that we were God's enemies through wicked doctrines and deeds. Second, that now, beloved, through the gospel, he has made it known to us who believe we have always been his friends. 
And third, that God has made it known to us that we shall be saved by the life of his son. Our portion of God's word reads in chapter 5, verse 10. For if when we were enemies, we were enemies, beloved. Now, how is it that we were enemies? Turn with me to Colossians chapter 1, verse 21. Keep your place in Romans. We'll be looking at that again. Colossians chapter 1, in verse 21, we read, And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. Beloved, we were enemies in our mind by wicked works. Now, how is it that we were enemies in our mind? Well, what did you think before the Lord taught you by his grace? You thought you were a good person, didn't you? Or maybe you thought you weren't so bad and other people were really bad. How often when I ask someone, so are, are you a sinner? They say, yes, I'm a sinner. Are you a wicked sinner? No, no, I'm not a wicked sinner. You should see my neighbor tonight. He's far worse than I am. But when God puts you into the light of his beloved son, when God loves you, he shows you, he shows me, he shows us all what we are in the light and countenance of his wonderful son, his, his beloved son. And we see what we are in the light of his glorious righteousness. Well, Maybe before you didn't receive the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ, that all your deeds are evil, you thought you had some sort of uh, merit or you had some dignity that you once cling to, but now you cling to him who has always clung to you in the covenant of his sovereign grace. And now, beloved, you believe him that all the works you once trusted in are nothing but a big pile of evil. This is what our Lord said to his brothers. He had some stepbrothers. Mary had children after she conceived the Holy One, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said to his brothers, the world doesn't hate you, but it hates me because I testify that the deeds thereof are evil. And if God loves you, he'll show you the evil you are and see the righteousness, the goodness the perfection of his beloved son. But now, beloved, you who believe on Christ, you repent towards God and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, that he is the one in whom God is well pleased. On one occasion, a man approached our Lord, believing him to be a mere man and not the promised almighty God manifest in the flesh and called him good. Do you remember our Lord's reply? He said, there is none good but one. This is God. Beloved, I know you can say with Paul, all those taught of our, our Heavenly Father can say with Paul with no duplicity or hypocrisy. They know this, that in your flesh, in my flesh, no good thing dwells. And believer, don't make that mistake of looking for God to do a work in your flesh. Don't make that mistake. Look away to the finished saving work done in the flesh 
of God's only begotten Son. Look to the reconciliation that our beloved Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, accomplished through his death on behalf of his people. Beloved, we were enemies of God through the thoughts we once had of ourselves. And God, but now, we learn from our Lord, and I trust it will bless you as much as it blessed me. We have always been his friends. Let's keep reading in Romans chapter 5, verse 10. We read there, we will reconcile to God by the death of his son. Now in our experience, in the believer's experience, through wicked works, wicked thoughts, we were God's enemies. However, in God's covenant of grace, we have always been God's friends. Through his purpose and grace given us to, in Christ Jesus before the world began. Turn with me to John's Gospel, chapter 15. John's Gospel, chapter 15, and verse 13. Our blessed Lord and Savior, our Lord and God, declared, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man laid down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. What is this great love? Is it not the great love declared in God's holy word? That yet while we were by nature wrathful towards God, holding a fist up to his face and saying, no, hating his gospel, hating his son and his people. God's only holy book declares, but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath he quickened us together with Christ. By grace, ye are saved. Did you hear that, beloved? He hath laid down his life for his friends. I heard the Lord say, I've given my life for the sheep. But to hear him say and teach his people, no greater love is, is than this, than to lay, that a man lay down his life for his friends. That is speaking of the glorious saving work of our beloved Lord and Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ. He hath laid down his life for his friends. What a blessing to have it made known to an enemy like me, like an enemy like you, beloved. That in the everlasting covenant of God's eternal and great love for his people, he was always viewed us as his friends. Don't misunderstand me. No one here is going around saying Jesus is my friend. He is our Lord and he is our God. But to hear our blessed Lord say for whom he gave his life and to hear him use the word friend. No greater love than this. No greater love than this. 
May he be pleased to make it known to you now, child of God, that our Lord and God has loved us with an everlasting love. Though in your experience, through the Adam fall of your nature, you held a fist to his throne. Beloved, now hath he reconciled us in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. Our Lord declares to his people, henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. Do you hear your Lord speak? Do you believe him? There's lots of people who say they believe in him. They say, oh, he gave his life for, for every single person in the world, past, present, and future. Well, why is it you believe, beloved, when you hear him say, the Son of Man did not come into the world to be ministered to, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Now, how is it that you know that and believe that? Because he has made it known to you because he calls you his friend. As undeserved as I say it out loud, <laughs> to hear our Lord call us friends. I almost want to read again. <laughs> it's too... You've heard that expression, too good to be true. Well, this is true, beloved. I have called you friends for all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. And how I pray that the Lord be pleased to make known to you the glorious accomplishment of his death and resurrection life, reconciling us to his heavenly Father, though that the full, and it's, it's a perpetual fount of pardon that we find through his blood. Did you sin today? Well, certainly you, you have. Look away from yourself and look to the Lamb of God who takes away all our sin. It wouldn't be a gospel if he took away 99.9% .9 of our sins and left a 0.0.1 left to us. I hope that came out right. I'm not good at math. But the thing is, he took away all our sin. Now, we've seen... How it was that firstly we were enemies to God in our experience through the wicked thoughts and works we had towards God. And secondly, I trust God's people see how it is through God's love and kindness that he put us into the light of his dear son that we might see our desperate need for the forgiveness of our sins. That he has made it known to us that he has given his life a ransom for his friends. Having procured a complete pardon of our sins through his death. Which leads me to my final and third thing I want to show you. That the gospel, as our text declares, is much more than having our sins forgiven through the reconciliatory death of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's much more. Turn back to Romans chapter 5 and take a look at those two words. Romans chapter 10, chapter 5, sorry, in verse 10. 
we read, for if when we were reconciled, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, much more, much more. If you believe the gospel is that our sins are forgiven, and that's all you've heard, let me tell you, I'm here to tell you it's much more. <laughs> much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. That is the gospel of our text. That is the gospel of Romans. That is the gospel from Genesis to Revelation that Christ is our all and all. Not just the propitiation of our sins, but the very righteousness we are clothed in. Our sins are forgiven through the reconciliatory death of the Lord Jesus Christ. But, oh, beloved, it's much more. Being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 5, verse 20. May our dear Lord teach you as you listen to the words of our Lord and God, Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 5, and we'll read just one verse, verse 20. I pray the Lord teach you. This is the words of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For I say unto you, That except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now to you who are still looking to your own flesh, that statement should cause you much concern. Though we be but worms and the most filthy of creatures in our regenerate state, we speak of others as being righteous. Though the scriptures say, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Unawakened men still believe that there are men who can be and are inherently righteous and good, even though the scriptures declare that there is none that doeth good, no, not one, if you are a professed Roman Catholic here this morning, our Lord is saying to you, unless your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the Pope, you shall in no wise enter into the kingdom of heaven. If you are professed evangelical here this morning, our Lord is saying to you, unless your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of Billy Graham you shall in no wise enter into the kingdom of heaven. If you're a professed Buddhist here this morning, our Lord is saying to you, unless your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the Buddha, you shall in no wise enter into the kingdom of heaven. If you're a professed Muslim here this morning, the Lord Jesus Christ is saying, unless your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of Muhammad, you shall in no wise enter into the kingdom of heaven. I pray the Holy Spirit would be pleased to convict you of your sin of unbelief, of Christ's righteousness, and the judgment of the God of this world, and this, uh, of, and, and the judgment of the God of this unrighteous world. Friend, the only way by which you and I shall ever enter into heaven is if you and I have, as our Lord has taught us, a righteousness that exceeds that of the Pharisees and scribes. 
Friend, that righteousness is the righteousness of Christ. You must have the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ or you will perish. On the bus ride to the airport in Canada, I came across uh, a couple of people behind me. They're from Africa. They've been living in Canada for 15 years. And they were caregivers for uh, a mentally disabled adult, a young man. And the wind blew, one thing led to another, and we were talking about the gospel. And I discovered that these individuals had never heard the gospel before. Uh, Don't be anxious about what you're going to say if you're giving testimony to someone. The Holy Spirit moves his people the way he just wants them to move, and they're going to say what he wants them to say. So if you hear me say this, this is not a formula. I don't want you copying me. That would be the worst thing in the world. (laughs) But I asked them, I said, uh, of all the people that Jesus Christ came into the world to save, uh, what percentage of of those people are are actually going to be saved? And they said, well, it's not 100%. I know that. It can't be 100%. So that's an excuse for me to tell them what our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, said. He said, this is the Father's will, he who sent me, that of all that he has given me, I shall lose none. (laughs) He is our glorious, sovereign, successful Savior. And I pleaded with them. I didn't debate with them. I just told them about the hope of Paul. The best testimonies to to give are the testimonies that the Holy Spirit preserves in his word. And uh, I did not notice it at the time, but I was was talking to them about Paul. Paul said that he did not want to be found in his righteousnesses concerning the law, but he wanted to be found in the righteousness of Christ. And so that I would be so plainly, and clearly understood. It's the Lord who who reveals these things, but we want to be understood. I I said to them, Paul was saying, I asked them, have you ever had a police record done? You know, because they work with a a disabled uh, adult. They said, oh yeah, I know all about a police check. I said, well, Paul is saying, he might have passed that police check with flying colors, but when the Lord of glory, the triune and living God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, does a record check on you. If you're outside of Christ, you'll go straight to hell. And I said, Paul is saying, I don't want to be found in my record. From the time Christ was formed in me to the time I went in glory, I want to be found in the glorious, perfect record of the Lord Jesus Christ. His record on the earth as a man beloved. (laughs) And uh, they didn't receive it. But I found out later This simple boy, man, he kept on pointing. I wasn't listening to him. Sandra heard this. I believe, I believe, I'm going to be in his record. (laughs) I want to be found in his record. I trust you do too. You who believe on Christ, you don't want to be found in your filthy rag of a record. You want to be found in the glorious record of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our Lord said, he that findeth his life shall lose it. And he that loses his life for my sake.
shall find it. Paul lost his life that he might find the life in Christ to be found. And as our text has said, the gospel is much more than the forgiveness of our sins. And that we have, beloved, a full and complete pardon through his death. But much more, (laughs) much more, we have been given a perfect righteousness, a perfect record. We shall be saved by his life, his life upon the earth. And now, beloved, he is seated at the right hand of the Father, ever interceding on our behalf. We have the eternal life right now, right now at this time. The life of Christ. Beloved, it is by the death and life of Christ that we are saved. Through his death and his eternal doing on our behalf that we are saved. We are kept by the power of God through the faithfulness of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Through his uprightness, through his power, we shall be saved. Through Christ, through his perfect life, we shall be saved, beloved. For he hath made him to be sin. For us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. All the popes of history, Buddha, Muhammad, all needed a righteousness that exceeded their own to go to heaven. Well, we know that they had no righteousness. They needed the righteousness of a perfect man. They needed the righteousness of Christ. I trust this morning, beloved, you can say with all of God's people, Well, you wouldn't be beloved if you weren't God's people. I need the righteousness of Christ. He's my only hope. I trust he's your only hope as well. Beloved, it is by the doing and the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ that we shall be saved. I pray the Lord would take that verse and apply it to an open heart here this morning and comfort you not only after the service, but throughout the week. We need the gospel. We need to come to it. And uh, I like to remind believers. Sometimes believers like to hand out literature. Very few pieces of literature that are faithful to the gospel. It's funny how a professed believer says, no, 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 I don't need that. Well, the word of God says it's through the foolishness of preaching that pleases God to save them that believe. Beloved, the gospel is for believers. Yes, the mandate of the gospel is to go out and preach the gospel to every creature. But who's it ultimately for? (laughs) It's for sinners saved by his grace.